save big money at Menards. Let the fresh air in and keep the bugs out with replacement screen for your doors and windows from AdForce. It's easy to install, durable against the elements, and comes in a variety of types to suit your needs. Repair your screens today with a roll of replacement screen on sale through May 5th. And check out more great deals happening now in our weekly flyer on Menards.com. It's Chris Martin with OTG Sports Management. You're listening on the thin side. It ain't the left side or the right side. And it must be the thin side. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. You are listening to another episode of On the Finside. Today we're going to be sitting down with Greg Likens, former host of the Finsiders, now a part-time host over on 790 The Ticket. You can follow us out on Spreaker, iTunes, YouTube, and so, so much more. Greg, welcome back, man. It's good to have you back. It's been a while. How are you doing today, bud? It has been a while, Paul. It's great to talk to you again. And, uh, yeah, it's an exciting time of the year with the draft right around the corner. You know, it's it's always my favorite time of the year. I know we've had you on during the season in the past, but it, it's always my favorite time during the off season. So many different moves to talk about. We've got the draft coming up. What do you think of this off season so far? I know there's a lot of hope out there. Yeah, overall, I, I really liked what the Dolphins have done this off season, and I think that this message they're sending out that they're going to reward those that they're familiar with. So trying to keep people in a house that they really believe in. You know, whether it be Kenny Stills or Andre Branch or Rashad Jones extension, you know, hopefully a Jarvis Landry extension comes soon. But, you know, keeping these guys around that they're familiar with is certainly a different path than we've seen in the past where the Dolphins have tried to make the big free agent splash. And there's been really mixed to negative results uh, in the past, you know, just based on their their record and lack of playoff history. So I, I like this new direction. And I also think that the fact that a guy like Kenny Stills would take less money than he potentially could get on the outside and Andre Branch, maybe the same thing. And you, you see those types of examples there. I mean, that rarely happens in football when you consider the salary cap setup and the r- relative lack of guaranteed contracts. And then it also has rarely happened for the Dolphins in the past as well. So overall, I think the culture that they're building with Adam Gase at the forefront and of course, Mike Tannenbaum and Chris Greer, I think a lot of positive developments have occurred because of that this offseason. Yeah, it's w- one of the things that we've talked about, and, and you brought up Kenny Stills, was that just felt like for Dolphins fans, and, and you've been so close to it through, through the years now, uh, we, we've heard about changing the culture, changing the culture, changing the culture through the past few regimes. But I don't know about you. For me, that Kenny Stills deal felt like that line in the sand we can all point back to in a year or two and say that was the turning point as far as the culture change. I mean, it, it, do you get that same sense or? I think, yeah, I think that it's symbolic of that for sure, because, you know, part of the problem with trying to change the culture in the past was just a lot of, uh, I, I thought, you know, really bad decisions. And also just, there's not a lot of common sense behind some of the decisions in terms of how the organization was structured. Right. So, I mean, even going back to the Tony Sperano era, you've got him as your head coach, you've got Jeff Ireland as the GM, and then they don't, they're not gotten rid of or fired at the same time. So then you've got Jeff Ireland hanging around over Joe Philbin, who wasn't really his coach, and it's not 
Philbin's GM, and then you've got a change there when Dennis Hickey comes in. I mean, there's just so much inconsistency that you now finally have a head coach and an upper management as far as the GM and the, the vice president of football operations that are on the same page and essentially were brought in at the same time in their current roles. And so uh, getting to now the Kenny Stills contract, I do think that it is symbolic of that line in the sand as you described it. So, uh, But, you know, it starts at the top when it comes to those things. And I think players, much like the fans, could see the absolute – disorganization within the organization in terms of how they structured things in the past. So now that everybody's on the same page, I think Stills and other players see that, and now they're reaping the benefits. What was your favorite probably under-the-radar move this offseason? I know the Dolphins signed a handful of players. There was none of that big, splashy uh, pickup like we talked about. What was your favorite really under-the-radar move that, that you saw? Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know how under the radar it was, but I, I did like the addition of William Hayes, um, mm-hmm. which it, in a way it was kind of under the radar because of, you know, when it happened. I mean, unless you're up late, which I happened to be one night, and all of a sudden I see there's a tweet from the Rams. It's like after midnight Eastern time, and they've agreed to a trade with the Dolphins. You know, Dolphins didn't officially announce it till the next morning. Um, but I, I like that addition just because, you know, he doesn't cost you a ton of money, but if you look at the way he rates out, he's excellent against the run. And, you know, you re- realize that Cam Wake, as great as he is getting up there in age, it, it, I think it's going to add to a really nice rotation that they have at that position. So, you know, certainly that one didn't get the headlines compared to some of the other additions that have been made. But I, I really like uh, Hayes' addition to the team, despite the fact that he's got some goofy and crazy off-the-field beliefs. But I think he'll <laughs> be he'll be funny in the locker room, that's for sure. <laughs> I was going to say, it sounds like he's at least fun about those off-the-field beliefs instead of uh, invasive, which is a great thing. And I know he's a guy that the Dolphins actually tried to get last offseason when he was a free agent. So I think he's going to be a great addition. Now, talking about the Rams, we might as well keep with, with this with the offseason. Miami just picked up McDonald to, to come in as a safety, even though he's suspended for the first eight games. What's your take on that acquisition? Well, this is interesting, Paul, because um, I, I talked about this recently on the air, and I don't, I don't fully disagree with the idea of bringing in McDonald because you look at the fact they're not going to pay him a ton of money, and you know it's a relatively low risk move for the Dolphins' sake. I do think it's a bit hypocritical, and the timing wasn't very good. So McDonald, you know, he's going to be suspended for the first eight games of the season. He's got a history of substance abuse which has gotten him into this trouble in the suspension and I don't know if it was coincidence or not I don't know if the Dolphins could have avoided this but I didn't think it was a great look from the organization standpoint on the same day they bring him in they get rid of Deion Jordan who had a very unfortunate history of substance abuse and that's essentially what kept him off the football field and has made him uh, the biggest bust in Dolphins draft history so McDonald I think their secondary was so banged up, especially late in the season. They're looking at a guy who could potentially play a role the second half of the year if that does arise again injury-wise. So I get the thinking behind it. I just think it's a bit hypocritical of the organization, especially when you consider the timing that he was added the same day that Deion Jordan was jettisoned from the team. Somewhere Eddie Blake is smiling, at least, to hear you say that he's no longer the 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 biggest bust in Dolphins draft history. (laughs) Um, So I know a lot of Dolphins fans, the whole Deion Jordan thing 
has really been almost a mystery uh, since, since his first year with the team based on everything that happened. I know the substance abuse stuff, we'll leave that out of this, but what what were your experiences with Deion Jordan and what was your take on Deion Jordan, the person, in the interactions that, that you may or may not have had with him from inside the organization? Yeah, every interaction I had with him, which were uh, – they were limited because he wasn't around um, on, you right. know, because of the suspensions uh, that much. But when I did interact with him, I interviewed him and talked to him a few times – He's a really nice person. So if you if you just have a, a one-on-one conversation with the guy, very easy to get along with and seemingly a, a good guy um, and a, a good attitude about him. But I think what my takeaway is when you include, you know, what has happened and kind of the, the dramatics off the field is that he's just a guy that did not love football and didn't take it seriously. And, you know, you go back to his career at Oregon, he wasn't a full-time player there. He was in a rotation with a bunch of guys and kind of this hybrid linebacker, pass rusher, and clearly a freak athletically. So you can see why teams uh, were interested in him. But the bottom line is, whenever you hear Chris Greer speak now, one of the first things he says that they're looking for in a prospect or a player to add to the team, he wants a guy that loves football and it's his first priority. And you look back at some of the decisions that were made, you know, in past regimes, I think you've got players that didn't actually love the game of football. And Deion Jordan is right at the top of the list. I mean, Jordan Cameron came under some criticism after retiring this offseason, saying that not everybody in the locker room loves football. And I think that directly applies. I don't think he was saying this about Deion Jordan necessarily, but I think we can apply it to Deion Jordan because you know, based on not just the substance abuse, but also the fact that he couldn't get healthy in his reinstatement back in the NFL, I think just shows you that he wasn't taking it seriously as a job. And it's unfortunate for a guy who could have made a ton of money just 27 years old who might have uh, his career now coming to an end in the NFL altogether, let alone with the Dolphins. But I don't know if any other team's going to take a chance out. Yeah, it's, it, it, it is unfortunate because, I mean, the guy does have all the talent in the world, but I think you, you probably hit on the most important point and, and you having been at the facility as, as much as you have been for a lot of the folks out there, it's football is truly a 12, 14 hour a day job almost. I mean, am I, am I wrong here or. Yeah, it is. And even in the off season, I mean, you're not necessarily studying tape the way you do during the regular season, but in the off season, I mean, these guys are working out constantly. I mean, it used to be like, if you talk to, <laughs> if you talk to someone like the old school dolphins, you know, back in the 70s, 80s, and maybe even early 90s, I mean, there were guys that during the offseason, they would play other sports for, you know, recreationally, or they wouldn't pick up a football for a long time. Now it's like nonstop, 24-7, 365. You maybe take a couple weeks off uh, right after the season ends, but these guys are either around the facility or at workout facilities somewhere in the country constantly, it seems. And so to your point, it, it is. It's a job. you got to take it seriously. Even, you know, I thought it was interesting this offseason in relation to Devontae Parker. I mean, you had Adam Gates make those public comments that, hey, if you say you're going to be in the weight room at 10 o'clock for, you know, a workout, you got to be there at 10 o'clock. You can't call, you know, five minutes before and say you're not going to make it. And I think this is what a lot of these young players, especially young players who are high draft picks, who have high expectations around them, uh, need to learn. And it's it's a profession, and you got to be a professional about it. Yeah, and and it's funny. I just got reminded of of a story from one of the guys I've talked to recently in um, 
Obi Malfonwu, when you talk about putting putting it in, putting in that work, it's I know I found out he had left home with his family Christmas morning at like nine o'clock in the morning to head to Florida to work out just in preparation for the draft. So it's it's you definitely see some of those guys and then you see some of the guys like you said where if you don't have that love for the game, you're just not going to end up doing it in the end. So, Greg, what when you look at this team, just thinking about the draft now, now that I talked about Obi, what do you see as some of the areas of need that you think the team might address with that first draft pick? Yeah, number 22 overall. I think we're all, you know, even now, you know, many, many days away still, but uh, anticipating what they could do there. I really – I know I've seen some of the recent projections, some of the people – and, you know, noteworthy draft experts, quote-unquote, have them taken potentially a guard at number 22. I know other teams, like the, the Cowboys come to mind, where they've had success with interior offensive linemen in the first round. I look at this team, though, and see the biggest na- need remaining on the defensive side of the ball. You know, the defense overall, I mean, 30th in rushing defense, 29th in total defense. Other scoring defense was 18th so it was a little bit better and that's probably more indicative of of how good the team is on that side of the ball but I really think that's the side that they need to address in the first round I thought last year that was the case as well but you know it worked out really well for them with Laramie Tunzel falling into their laps and it was a prospect that they couldn't pass up on but I think this year at 22 they need to focus on defense the depth in this draft is on defense so whether it be you know a, a hybrid secondary type guy like a Jabril Peppers or any of these defensive ends or linebackers that they that fall there and they feel is the best prospect available I think they can use as much help at any of those spots and even cornerback I know that cornerback hasn't been addressed so far in free agency but you look at I mean over the last few years nearly two-thirds of all defensive snaps are played in the nickel formation on defense you've got three dbs or corners out there along with your two safeties almost 66 percent of the time so i know that a lot of people are saying hey you know you you have timmons and you've got uh, kiko alonzo but you don't feel good about colmisi being the other linebacker but i think that whether it be free agency or the draft cornerback still needs to be addressed as well and i i think i would be comfortable with them taking whoever's the best prospect on defense available at number 22. I'd agree with you there. It, it's, it seems like there's holes in terms of either short-term depth or, or long-term depth at almost any position. And even though corners stack for this team, you look at last year, Xavier Howard, Byron Maxwell, various other corners that they had all went down with injuries at various times. Rashad Jones went down, and it got to the point where you almost didn't know the name at various points for who was going to be stepping in and almost filling a starting role at times somewhere in that secondary. So, yeah, it's almost every year you you have to add a corner no matter how deep you, deep you are or safety. Now, do, you, do you have the same take there? Or? Yeah, I do because, again, like I was saying, I, I just think that the NFL continues to be more and more passing-oriented, and so your defense has to adjust accordingly. And you're right. I mean, quite frankly, not to be critical of any of the guys – specifically, but the the secondary that the Dolphins put out on the field for that Steelers playoff game was kind of embarrassing, right? I mean, they were just so, Mm -hmm. so riddled with injury that it was like, man, they didn't even have a chance. And so, you know, I think getting back to the TJ McDonald signing, that's probably part of the reason they signed him to have depth later in the year in case those injuries pop up. But uh, to your point, I agree. I mean, you can never have enough 
of those corners because there's going to be so much talent in the wide receiving cores of your opponents and the quarterbacks keep getting better and the rules keep getting tailored towards the offense to put up more numbers. Since we're talking about corners, I, I do want to ask you about this. And I'm curious if you saw the same thing, because I know one thing that that Kat and myself were almost screaming about during the season last year, you look at the first five games of the year, uh, you look at the, the Ravens game even, and Miami's defense seemed to be an entirely different defense when you've got Byron Maxwell, Xavier Howard, and Tony Lippett. They all seem to play very well when they're up on the ball playing press man coverage. Those games I just referenced were games where they were 10, maybe more yards off the ball. And when they were back like that, it seemed to eliminate and negate the pass rush. It seemed to put Kiko Alonso almost on an island between the defensive line and the secondary, and teams were killing them with that short passing game. Do you see that as something that the team really needs to, to look at this year and moving their, their press man guys up on the ball? Or do you think they'll continue having the guys 15 yards off? Yeah, it's a, it's a really good question. And I don't have any inside information on that, so I would just be speculating. But I will say that I'm interested in seeing how Matt Burke approaches you know, his first year as a defensive coordinator as compared to what we saw from Vance Joseph. Because you know, I'm really happy for Vance to get that job in Denver. And mm-hmm. he was a really, really good guy to deal with uh, when I was uh, still with the organization. Um, so I'm really happy for him. I think it's a, a very deserved opportunity. But certainly there were some issues defensively, as you know, we mentioned some of the statistics. And you know, that, that's part of it, what you just described. So I think you know, Burke has an opportunity to still implement a system that is very similar because he comes from that same you know, defensive philosophy coaching tree, but I think that, you know, that could be one of the adjustments that are made in 2017 because, uh, yeah, I mean, the short passing game, not just with the Dolphins, but just in general. I mean, if, you, if you're if you given space, I mean, these teams with the, the talented wide receiver, they're going to take advantage of that. So uh, it'll be interesting to see philosophically how they adjust to that moving forward. We're talking a lot about the defense here. I know the defense is definitely something that needs adjustment. Over on the offensive side of the ball, there don't appear to be a huge number of holes at the moment. What do you see as as some potential needs over on offense for this team? Yeah, you're right. I mean, they're set up really nicely with a young core of skill position players. Certainly, you got to hope that Julius Thomas stays healthy because losing Deion Sims this offseason was, you know, I think the right move from the Dolphins' perspective, not to pay him as much money as the Bears were willing to give him. But at the same time, you know, it, it hurts the depth a little bit there at tight end. Um, but otherwise, I mean, you got to love the young receiving core, love the, the youth and exuberance there in the backfield with, of course, Jay Ajayi. And I think Kenyon Drake is a guy who could have a breakout season. And assuming Tannehill stays healthy, I mean, these guys should have great chemistry there. And so looking at the holes on offense, though, I mean, you got to stay healthy, of course, but I really think the offensive line, there will be question marks at, at, at the, the guard positions and, uh, you know, in between, you know, the guys that are the rocks on offense in terms of Pouncey, Juwan James, and now Laramie Tunzel. So, you know, you're going to – I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens with, with Ted Larson, Anthony Steen. We're assuming that Bushrod, you know, keeps his job at right guard. So that would be the area in which I think they could address the position maybe in the second, third, fifth rounds of the draft is is take a look at getting a guard that they could develop for the future behind some of these veterans they have. Uh, But other than that, 
I will say that I am still concerned about Mike Pouncey's durability as well. So that can go for any team, any side of the ball, any position. you got to stay healthy, and you, you hope you can stay healthy. Um, but certainly it's a different team up front without pouncing the lineup, and he has the propensity uh, of getting hurt. So we'll see how that develops during 2017. I, I think you're raising exactly the same concerns that, that we've had uh, on the offensive side of the ball. I don't think Pouncey's played a full season in three or four years now, which when he's out there, he's definitely one of the best in the game, if not the best in the game. So I, I'm I'm right there with you on that. What did you think of the re-signing of Anthony Fasano? I know we actually got a lot more excited than some folks did. Yeah, kind of a blast from the past, huh? <laughs> oh, um, yeah. I I you know I thought it was a cool move. I mean, the the interesting thing about it, which I mean people probably know now because a lot's been written, but Ryan Tannehill has been great friends with Fasano ever since he got into the league. And, you know, Fasano left and obviously has been away with the Chiefs and the Titans, but they've remained close. Uh, their wives have remained close. So uh, I know that Fasano and retained the house down here in South Florida as well. So it made sense from his standpoint, from you know personal standpoint. But also you, you look at the way he rated as a run blocker and knowing they added Julius Thomas, it's like, you know, Fasano will catch some footballs, but you're really bringing him in to be a specialist in, in helping you run the football. So I think the fit made a lot of sense. And I think for him as well, the tail end of his career, it's a tremendous way for him to finish things off being back down here in Miami. I'll be honest. I mean, I loved getting Fasano back. I hated losing him initially. And one of the big areas of excitement, even for me, has nothing to do with football. I don't know. Have you ever seen Inglorious Bastards? You know what? I'm sure you have. I have I have not seen the movie, so. <laughs> all right, you, you need to go out. You, you need to watch this criti- movie. Criticize get- me all you want because my my movie repertoire uh, might not be up to snuff. <laughs> well, I, I'm giving you a homework assignment off this show, and I'm going to ask you about it next time you're on. Uh, okay. If you watch it, there, there's a character on that on that movie called Donnie Donowitz, Sergeant Donnie Donowitz. And he, he's, he's a prominent character in the movie. And every time I see Fasano with his helmet on, it's just an absolute striking resemblance to this character. Always has been, always will be. And it's one of those entertaining things that has nothing to do with football. But when you see the guy, it's all I can think of. And, and so for me, it was an exciting moment in terms of that, as well as the fact of what he brings on the football field. Before we let you go here, Greg, I know you're finally back on the air. I know it's been drastically missed by a lot of the Dolphin fans out there. For those that somehow have missed the fact that you're back on the air now, let let folks know how they can catch you on there. Yeah, for sure. I've been uh, working at 790 The Ticket, and you can catch me there uh, every weekend, usually Saturdays and Sundays. The the times may vary, so if you follow me on Twitter, at Greg Likens, uh, you can keep up because I update, you know, when I'm going to be on. But uh, hosting shows uh, solo on the weekends and love to hear from Dolphins fans. If you want to listen or, you know, call in, certainly uh, up for that. And then I've I'm, I'm been on quite a bit during the week on non-Heat game nights because 790 Ticket hosts is, or, uh, is the flagship station for Miami Heat broadcast. But I've uh, been on with Josh Friedman from 7 to 10 p.m. And uh, that's been a lot of fun as well. So get to co-host with him and then uh, do shows on the weekend. And it's great to be able to be back on the radio airwaves of South Florida and uh, really excited about the opportunity. Yeah, I mean, it's been a while since I've been on the radio. I'd done some work in the fall on uh, ESPN3, you know, watch ESPN, ACC Digital Network, what do you, whatever you want to describe it as, uh, on some Miami Hurricanes uh, sporting events. But good to be back on the radio and 
putting my opinion out there and talking about everything that's going on, not just in South Florida sports, uh, all, all sports across the country. And then, of course, as the draft gets nearer, we'll be talking a lot more Dolphins football as well. Well, Greg, I, I know I'm excited to have you back on here. I'm excited to hear you're back on the air. We, I know we've missed hearing you guys talk. So uh, congratulations, man. Welcome back. And uh, thanks for joining us today. Yeah, Paul, anytime. Always uh, good to talk to you. appreciate you having me. appreciate the support. And uh, it'll be uh, fun to see what the Dolphins end up doing at the end of this month in terms of the draft and adding to this roster coming off a season which they finally got back to the playoffs. I know we're excited as well. And for our listeners out there, you can catch us anytime on Spreaker, on Stitcher, iTunes, YouTube, you name it. We're out there. Follow us out on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. On behalf of myself and on behalf of Kat, if it's not on the right side, it's not on the left side. It is on the fin side. Solo D, take us home. It ain't the left side or the right side. And it must be the fin side. It ain't the left side or the right side. And it must be the fin side. Listen, Dolphins fans across the land all tuning in To see what Brian, Cat, and Paul about to do again We rep our team, you can't change, stop, or ruin it All we need is to figure what to do to win Fans Radio, live and direct Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com.